Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural edition of the A-List Podcast. I am your host, Ashrod Blakely, with the co-host, with the most, Kwani A. Lunas of NBC10. What's going on, Kwani? What's going on? I am excited for this episode. I feel like it's going to be a really good one. I know it's going to be a really good one because not only do we have A. Sherrod Blakely and Kwani A. Lunas, we also have a special guest who is familiar to our listeners and Mark J. Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated. Uh, He's going to share a little bit about just that post-bubble life that he's uh, enjoying now, as well as, you know, get into some of the issues that the NBA is going to be addressing in some way, shape, or form in this quick as hell restart to the season. It seemed like just the other day, you know, we're looking at, you know, LeBron James and those guys celebrating in the bubble. And now it's right. like the season is back. It's back. And we are excited to watch who's going to come out of the West, who's going to come out of the East. I think we could ask Mark what he thinks about that as well. Yes, Mark definitely will have his thoughts, ideas, opinions, as always. And that being said, we are going to just jump right into things. And here we have Mark J. Spears. How you doing, my friend? This is the first one? I'm the first guest? Yes. That's all right. Yes. You should be honored. <laughs> I, I, I won't ask for no money then. There you go. It, which is why <laughs> you're the first. <laughs> I mean, we weren't going to pay you, though, if we're being real. <laughs> Y'all could take me out to dinner next time I'm in Boston. I got okay. you, Spears. You in know 20, you might do it. I got you. In 2022 when things are better, right? There right. you go. And, and speaking of 2022, which is down the road, but let, let's let's think about where we are in the present, and, and that is the NBA season is here. And, Mark, you were among the, the, the handful of journalists that were in the bubble down in Orlando. And I'm just curious your thoughts on how you think the NBA is going to make that pivot from everyone – in this nice confined space to where everyone is sort of kind of back to normal, but not really. It's interesting. Um, I, I, I actually think it'd be better if they did return to the bubble, mm-hmm. even if it was 30 teams. But from what I've been told, it's just too expensive. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you did something like that now, uh, wives, girlfriends, children, parents, uh, they have to be included. I, I don't, I think if the NBA knew then what they know now, they certainly would have allowed them to bring people from the beginning. Um, so that's the thing. That's the challenge. Um, we saw the recent results where only one of 450 NBA players uh, had the virus, which was, I thought, pretty outstanding, mm-hmm. considering they're not in a bubble environment. Um, but... <laughs> You know, time will tell if it continues that way. And I'm certainly very, very curious to see, you know, now that the vaccine is coming out, you know, if, if the, the NBA players are able to uh, be offered the vaccine, one, and how many of them will take it, two. You know, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see how that works and whether they even tell us as media, if we want to be at the game, we got to take it. But this is... Uh, I thought last season in the bubble, being in the bubble was extremely interesting, odd, felt like I was part of a weird dream as well as a science experiment and also proud to be there. But this uh, this season is uh, winding up to be equally bizarre. Mark, another storyline that came out of the bubble, which you were reporting on extensively, was the social activism from these athletes. Do you foresee that translating into this season as well? Uh, translating differently is probably the best way to say it. 
there won't be Black Lives Matter on the court anymore. Um, there won't be social justice messages on the back of the jerseys anymore, which garnered over $700,000 for charity. Um, that didn't really get a lot of fanfare, but I, I think people should know that. And so you wonder, will these guys have the same fire? Um, you know, I saw a video today of Drew Holiday had a mask on that said Breonna Taylor. Sadly, that's the first time I've really heard anybody mention any social justice stuff other than when asked, um, you know, the first time I saw a player do something on their own since the bubble. So perhaps maybe that will, will, will get guys to um, really think about it again. I, I really hope and pray that there's not an incident that suddenly jars everybody's memory and gets everybody excited about saying things. This is a time now. And both of you, please tell me if you think I'm wrong, where I I don't know if there's a time where the media was paying attention more than now, that the media was willing to write stories. The media was talking about it more than now. And so how long is that door going to be closed? I mean, open. Uh, I'm with the undefeated, so it's going to stay open with us. But in terms of nationwide, you know, internationally, I don't know how long that door is going to be open. So I hope the players keep squeezing this and speak out and use their platforms and, and scream about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and all the other pain from the past 400 years and, and realize that just because we're not in the bubble, like don't let this burst, like keep the momentum going. And, um, but to your, to your point, to your question, I, we'll see. Uh, I, time will tell, but right now, I don't know if I'm, super optimistic about it. Yeah. Mark, I, I think there, there's a sense among uh, folks that, that I've talked to that while athletes are still very much aware of what's going on and how there's, there's needs to continue to be this systemic change that they're pushing for the appetite on their parts may not necessarily be as uh, palatable as it was in a bubble when you had so many different events and instances that really kind of sparked that and really made it much easier and more comfortable for them to, to yeah. really speak out on these issues. But the one thing that came about, Mark, and then I wanted to ask you about this, was the role of owners and, and management in this in this social uh, systemic change process. It seemed really uh, after I'd say probably around the time where the Milwaukee players decided to not play against the Magic, it seemed that was kind of the, the jumping off point where players felt that they needed and no, they demanded that yeah. owners be more engaged in this process, particularly from a voting standpoint. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, Mark, whether you thought that level of engagement they started to build in a bubble, has that burst or is that something that's still building going forward? I, I hope that they learn their power. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. I, George Hill basically sparked a revolution in, in the bubble mm-hmm. that caused not only the Bucks to not play a game, but in, in the NBA shut down for three days. It's a weird, beautiful, interesting three days in the bubble. Um, the WNBA shut down uh, some games. Major League Baseball followed. NHL, NHL and baseball followed. Right. And then, you know, Naomi Osaka followed as well. Like, to me, if there was any time where these guys should realize how much power they have, it was then. Um, 
all of a sudden all the owners ready to let you have voting polls in their arenas? <laughs> all of a sudden they're given money like uh, the Nets today lived up to a promise and is, is given like $50 million mm-hmm. to black businesses and charities and causes in Brooklyn. And somebody, you know, in a smart way, as they do on Twitter, responded by saying, well, you know, that person's worth billions of dollars. It's like 15 bucks to them. I'm like, shoot, it may be to them, but $50 million to some local charities is a tremendous amount of money. Mm-hmm. So while people may think that that might be chump change to them for the average person in the world, that's like for that charity to get a million dollars to help is, is amazing mm-hmm. um and then you see guys like donovan mitchell who and, and you know maybe i, I should probably give the players more credit because they are doing things maybe it's just not as loud right now mm-hmm. but like donovan mitchell has a shoe with adidas that it ain't about just filling his pockets he's um giving proceeds from the shoe to black students to students of colors to students of need who are having problems paying their tuition not it's not for student athletes. You're not paying for a new uh gym or locker room. Like that that's beautiful. That's special. And Steph Curry's doing things. So maybe you know what? Maybe I need to check myself as media too. That the guys are doing things and perhaps we need to be louder and I need to be louder. And I and I think I'd write about it as much as anybody, but Maybe we're starting to get numb to it a little bit too because people are doing things and we're just like, ah, eh, that's par for the course now. But yeah, I I probably need to beat the drum louder and give these guys credit. So yeah, per- perhaps they are doing a lot more, but now we're kind of getting numb to it. And I mean, hopefully but to we that, don't. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, but to your point, the Celtics actually in the Boston Globe just signed an op-ed basically calling out facial facial recognition here in Boston and saying it's racist at its core. Mm -hmm. So I I see what you mean, because it's like, all right, what does signing that do? But at the same time, they are bringing awareness in different ways. And the the players, uh, they got to, they have to know that if something's not right, Right. to speak on it. Because like somebody was like, well, James Harden must want to get traded from the the Rockets because um, you know their owner's a MAGA guy. I'm like probably most of the owners of the league are MAGA guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, that's not an where's excuse. Gonna, where, 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 where is he going to hide? You, you, you know, where is he going to go? Um, it's uh, that's the thing. I hope they learn is that there is strength in numbers, there is power. That if something's wrong, shut it down. Period. And uh, I think there uh, hopefully will be some strength and some um, creativity and some things that take place now, knowing that they they have been able to have success and, and get things like, say what you want about it, but uh, Atlanta Hawks probably swayed the, uh, the Georgia uh, votes, right? The fact that they were able to get people to come to State Farm Arena and vote which made it more cool, which made it more accessible to people that lived in the downtown area. That had an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than a vote had an impact. Like, right. so, you know, these guys are doing some, some really, really special things and, you know, it's not over. Uh, 
Lloyd Pierce has been beating the drum, coach of the Hawks, and I expect him to do it through uh, the runoffs in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that there's a lot of things that certainly players, coaches, management can build off from the time in a bubble from a social systemic change arena. But ultimately, it comes back to playing games uh, at at some point. And so when you look at this NBA quicker than any of us thought reboot from from this past season, Lakers, they got the chip and it looks like they they did a pretty damn good job of of positioning themselves to get a repeat. Yeah, I, I think if you put this Lakers team against the one in the bubble, they would beat them. Mm. I, it is not this current championship Lakers team's fault, but they had one of the easiest roads ever to a championship. Mm-hmm. They didn't play anybody higher than a five seed. I know the Boston Celtics are kicking themselves. <laughs> you guys were around them and talked uh, to them privately. I'm sure they we should have been there playing. This. Listen, Mark, that's not to my say that they would have up where they are. Stay <laughs> yeah. salty. Right. Yeah. They're still salty. Yeah. Like, but that's their fault. Yeah. Right? They, they overlooked the heat. They shouldn't yeah. have. Saying, I mean, and Toronto's kicking themselves. Like right. Toronto believes that they should have been there. That's not to say that they would have beat the Lakers, but I mean, ain't the Lakers fault that the, the Boston Celtics lost, the Toronto Raptors lost, the Clippers lost. Yeah. Like it's not their fault. They played who was in front of them, and also think the bubble allowed them to rest their bodies a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So, like a player like Anthony Davis, who just signed a long-term deal, admittedly because he has had injury problems, had the healthiest season of his career. Mm -hmm. Had no problems in the playoffs. Like, but now they're going to get on planes again. You know, there's there's going to be. Uh, COVID issues. Um, um, there, there's not going to be as much rest like there was in a the bubble. There's not going to be a two-month layoff, hopefully in the middle of the season. And I do think that the Lakers are the king. But when you play that many games, when you have that short of rest, I also think that this Lakers team is susceptible to injury. Mm-hmm. So it could be you know, uh, it'll be to me the the Lakers' biggest opponent is health. Mm-hmm. If they could get past health and they've got uh, influx of new guys, I think they'll be fine. But this is this is like, I mean, Sharad, you I always remember when you covered the Pistons when the when the Pistons went to back to back championships, mm-hmm. and then they ended up remember when they lost they the lost Cavaliers? to San Antonio game seven. At San Antonio, two thousand five. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, but no, they lo- no, but they they ended up losing to the Cavs in two thousand seven. Mm. That's Chauncey. I'm like, how did y'all lose to that Cavs? Team? He's still salty about that. Well, it's their fault, right? You know, but as I he, he I just remember him telling me, "We're tired. Mm. We're tired." He said, "Man, we have been going to the Eastern Conference Finals all those years. That's a lot of games." We're tired. So, and I think the same thing happened with the Warriors. You know, it ended up catching up to them. A two-year run isn't long, but yeah, they're they're. I think they're. They could be tired because that is such a short layoff. Yeah, just had a real quick follow-up to that, Mark. Uh, when you talk about the Lakers and just what you know, they had a very comfortable run, and this team is is even better than they were a year ago. 
on the flip side, the Eastern Conference, it looks like it was pretty damn good last year, and they look even deeper now when you look at some of the players and some of the coaching changes that have come East. How do you think that's going to shape up? And specifically, how do you think the Celtics fit into this new matrix in the Eastern Conference? Well, Sherrod, uh, uh, I, I think you would remember this. I'm a Miss Lady there. I don't know if you 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 are a lot younger than us. I'm a, <laughs> She's I'm not a that young. Fed. Just a little bit. Um, Remember, sure, I remember we used to watch them battle royals on Saturday afternoons, those wrestling matches. For sure. You know what a battle royal is? She don't I know. do. I do. I know, I know what to talk about. I just never watched yeah. it. So My dad it did was, promote wrestling and stuff in the house. So it would be this like crazy wrestler match where all your favorite wrestlers would be in one ring going at it, beating each other up. And it'd be nuts. They'd be like dudes jumping off the rafters, guys poking each other's eye out. Nick kicking them in the butt, all kind of crazy stuff. That's the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's the Eastern Conference right now. It's a it's a battle royal. It's one day I like the Nets because I know what KD is. Mm-hmm. KD is a stone cold killer. Right. To me, he's the best player in the league when he's healthy. He's going to be amazing with them. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I love their depth, but he and Kyrie together, if they're if they're here. That's a big if. It's going to be really rough. But then I see Jason Tatum, and I and I see Kemba, and I see Jalen, and I, they could beat anybody. The Raptors, I, I always have respect for them. They're, they're, they're still – they're not the champs now, but they, they're tough out. Then you go to Philly with Doc. And you guys know in Boston that Doc could put you into the finals your first year. Yeah, you know when you make a big change, so just don't go up three one. Doc's there. Oh, leave Doc alone. And then I love Miami, you, <laughs> Miami, Jimmy Butler, and those guys—they feel like they could beat anybody. Their swag in the bubble was beautiful to watch. I love watching them, and they will probably tell you, and I believe them, that if Goran didn't get hurt, and if Bam didn't miss a game, like we're not going to know this. Of course. The one thing the Lakers I thought could have been much better than in the bubble when they got away with it was they were playing so many underdogs that they just didn't, they did what they needed to do when they did, when they needed to do it. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't really bring a killer mentality. They didn't have to, you know, they were just better and they ended up, you know, you got LeBron and AD, just talent one for them. But I do think that Miami had the confidence, killer mentality, the, the dog in them, that if Goran wasn't hurt, that it could have got more interesting. So I'm not going to count Miami out. I'm going to be honest with you, and, and you guys are out east, so I'm going to ask her first to weigh in, but I don't know that there's a bad team in the east. Even a bad Meaning, team is decent. Yeah. Like, not not saying that everybody's going to be over 500, but there's not a team in the East now that just jumps to mind, Cleveland included, mm-hmm. that you just walk in and it's a win. There aren't any. Y- y'all, y'all agree with that? Ladies I first. Do. Yeah, 20. I think so. I feel like... Well, you mentioned the the East being up for grabs. Obviously, ever since LeBron left, it feels like it's always been like that. But especially this year with the roster re-ups, I 
like you said, the Nets, the Celtics. I mean, I'm excited even to watch the Hornets yeah, even this with, season. Even with Russ and, and Bill, like. See, yeah. that's yeah, right. Exactly. That's the one yeah. team I really want to crap the on. Yeah, you can't. That's though. the one team I want to crap on, but I can't because but I've seen know, them. But, catch here, but here's the thing, like, Russ is going to make you play hard every night. Yeah. I, I yeah. think maybe playing with James kind of took away from what he is for a year. Right. But Russ demands, like, there is nobody I've seen other than, like, Kevin Garnett and perhaps Kobe Bryant play harder. Chris Paul's in that conversation, too. But Russ plays hard in all-star games. Like, so he's going to, like, and then, like, Cleveland is that team that you're going to go there, you're going to, like, be mad that you're in Cleveland, and they'll beat you. Because <laughs> like, they just yeah. got some young talent that don't know better, then you still got two all stars on their team, in Drummond and and Luck. Like, I really don't like. We ain't talked about Atlanta. Like, yeah, Atlanta's like Trey and all the play- people that they got. They got Rondo there, and like, maybe not the Knicks though. I feel like. Well, okay, I'm, my bad. There we yeah, go. Yeah, I, there, forgot. I, had, I was one. thinking. I was like, the Knicks. There's like, always one. We see, needed see, them to see, do this game. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, therein lies the problem. There is yeah. one team. They just ruin everything for us. So well, at least you get to go to New York for a night, right? Uh, right, right. But outside of New York, which I, I guess they could catch you slipping, especially at the world <laughs> on a good night. Yeah, on a good night, the Celtics you, definitely. Yeah. As as I told my buddies, I said I'm not a betting man, <laughs> but the one advice I would give you is always take the Knicks the Raptors, Miami, Lakers, or the Clippers mm. if it's a Saturday or Sunday matinee game. Mm. Right and, and Mark, with that being <laughs> said, that, Mark, is what we call a segue. Uh, a segue into talking about uh, our good folks at Bet Online. Uh-huh. Uh, NFL football is nearing the home stretch with a few surprise teams near the top of the standings, and the NBA is just getting started. And while you might not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest, most up-to-date odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And I gave them a tip. That's a hell of a tip. I know. And we got really and we got tip. a little little Mark Spears special <laughs> thrown in there. Juan is going on that uh, betting Look, site right now, I took a looking little... at the looking at the weekend <laughs> games. Right. You got to wait till you got to wait till <laughs> the regular season. Over, oh, okay. You got to okay. wait till COVID is over because it's, okay. it's not going to be the same right now. Right. Unless you're in the South, where they Sorry. don't care. Like Miami, they'll still let you go out and party. No, Mark. But, I wanted to ask you this, Mark. Hey. Um, with the way things are now, how has your travel changed or how will it change this season? Because you, you spend a ton of time on the road and I, I know how that life is. And yeah. I'm looking at all these red cities and states all over the damn map. And I'm like, where's anyone going to go? Okay. How, how have things uh, been looking as you kind of start planning out your season as far as travel is concerned? Well, here's the thing. I mean, if the only access I'm going to have to a player is on Zoom, what's the point of going? Mm. What's the point of flying anywhere? I could, Sherrod, I could watch the Celtics game from home and now ask Jalen a question afterwards. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that before. 
I, I actually think that's something that even when the world gets better, the uh, team should continue to have press conferences on Zoom to mm-hmm. perhaps maybe allow others to at least hear from afar. Mm-hmm. But like that's the thing that's going to be tough because when I even when I was in the bubble, I was getting tested every day. It, it was kind of crazy because I'm like, we're getting tested every day, just like the players. But y'all having a fit if we're within five feet of the players. I'm like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like we're not really human like we were some kind of mutants that right. got to go to the bubble we were going through the same testing that they were we weren't leaving the bubble so um like i wonder if they would let us like the warriors are doing rapid testing right mm-hmm. i don't know that any other team is doing that maybe i'm wrong i'm probably wrong i'm going to a pelicans game on friday and i don't think there's any testing but so everybody is testing but we can't go to the locker room if we're if we don't have it and we're wearing a mask, I think we should have access to not to the locker room per se, but at least be able to go down and be distance and talk to players. But um, everybody's rules is different. Uh, like at the Pelicans game on Friday, they're going to allow like 400 fans. But if I go to a Golden State game, they won't allow any fans. But the only thing I'm really getting is the ability to be in inside arena and see it. Mm-hmm. But if I want to interview somebody, it's over the phone or, or it's over Zoom. So to answer your question, I'm really not going to be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the greatest attraction to going to a Warriors game right now is I'm going to get a free rapid COVID test by going. Mm-hmm. So it, it behooves me uh, from a health standpoint to go get that free quick test. Yeah. Right? And then I go... It, it, and then it behooves because it's eight miles away and it gets me out of the house. <laughs> Miss that. But 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 what why should I fly to LA? If I happen to be in LA for some whatever reason, yeah, I I'd probably go to a game, but but it's 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 it nowhere is really tough. It's tough for the media member that has relationships with players, the ones that get stuff in the locker room, the ones that get the walk-off interviews, the ones that get the one-on-ones, that's the reporter that it's like, this is really hard for. Mm-hmm. Not a lazy reporter who all they're doing is ask, not asking any questions. They're, they're mm-hmm. probably benefited from this time. Y'all know who those guys are. Mm-hmm. Those we folks do. are that, you know, they're probably loving this because all they got to do is show up in their shorts and a t-shirt and uh, they're getting the same thing that everybody else is getting and, and not getting beat as much. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's, um, it takes away the com- com- competitive advantage that the great, I think, journalists have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait till this is over with. And and one thing I'm noticing, like, I did get a one-on-one with Steph about three or four weeks ago, about a month ago. And mm-hmm. in order to get to sit down with him, I did take a rapid test and we were like five feet away from each other. And for the first time in a long time, it seemed like these guys miss us. Mm-hmm. Like when I talked, I talked to Clay before he got hurt and he was like, man, Mark, you were the first guy that interviewed me when I came into the NBA, right? And I'm like, yeah, I actually interviewed you when you worked out for the Warriors and we went out to lunch afterwards. So we ain't had lunch since. But <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, you know, we, we we should get lunch. And then I saw Steph, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm, how's your family? I'm I miss seeing you around." And so, I do think that 
when things are normal again, they'll probably be at least for maybe a year, I guess. Uh, these guys will probably be happy to see us and, and to have banter with us. And they're going to miss the fans. Their fans are going to get more autographs right. and pictures than they ever got. I, I think they will appreciate um, the relationships they have with journalists if they're, they're not already. But it's like, even like the, the rookies, how do you get to know the rookies? Mm-hmm. When you, you can't shake their hand. You can't, like it's, it, it's a weird existence that is basically going to make you more creative journalistically. But I think for a lot of journalists, it's, it's, it's going to make it tough too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't go when somebody's doing something great for Christmas right now, right? Yeah. Like charity events. You can just take their word for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> did we see any Thanksgiving stories? No. Not really. No, oh. we didn't. And, and I, it was funny because I was talking with Brad Wanamaker, who was doing something in Philly, and I'm like, I did Sorry. See, yeah. yeah, I did see <laughs> I can Wanamaker. tweet that you're doing something, but yeah. that's all I can do. You can send <laughs> right. me some video from yeah. your like, guy. You got somebody with a camcorder could shoot something? Yeah, yeah. but there, there were a lot of things to answer your question, like, John, I remember one time I I got an interview with um, DeAndre Ayton in the Bahamas and had to get my passport mailed to me from a friend and um, was on a plane two days later. Like that ain't happening, right? Like, and then because of the tough of of sports right now through COVID, like people are losing money, so they're gonna be like, "Uh, "Y'all better do your job via Zoom." You know, people are losing jobs. It's it's a, it's a tough time. So I'm just going to, you know, try to make some gumbo without any shrimp and uh, andouille sausage. Mm. That is such a Louisiana reference. That was so good. <laughs> that was good, though. I like it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Mark, uh, we, we, we talked a lot about what you've done uh, as a reporter in a bubble and all that stuff. But you're also an author. I uh, wanted to share a little bit about your, your book that came out, I think about a month ago. Um, and just how, how's that going? How, how, how has that, that newfound added title uh, author uh, been for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys are both heavily involved with the, uh, you know, national association of black journalists. So I think um, it's few and far between when you see black journalists with a book, with a book. Yeah. Um, I, I, for, uh, to be completely fair, there probably were a couple opportunities that I I turned down because I'm just too busy with my job. But this doing the Spencer Haywood uh, rules book, uh, the story about the Hall of Famer Spencer Haywood was literally the first true offer for a book that I got, mm-hmm. um, where the, a contract was actually sent to me. You know what I mean? And and we and we got it done. And I just sometimes would be frustrated. Um, I've talked to David Aldridge about this, that, you know, you have all these black athletes who don't have black authors um, to tell their story. And that's not to say that a white male author can't write their story. Of course they can. But um, when I was doing the Spencer Hayward book, I I certainly could relate to a lot of the things that he had dealt with uh, talking about the South and being from Mississippi and, um, I think he felt certainly very comfortable opening up to me. And so it was certainly an honor that the New York times may put this on its holiday books, books Mm -hmm. list. Um, Undefeated, you know, they're probably being nice to me, but they, 
they highlighted it. And we've had some other places that have highlighted the book. But, you know, I think Spencer Haywood, I call him like the Black Forest Gump. Man, he has just like a lot of great little stories, man. Like, it's an easy 175-page read. Uh, very, very entertaining. You could probably go through the book in two days, three days. Um, and I'm I'm hoping I have something that's kind of Boston-related that I'm working on, and it's not done yet. So uh, I'll, I'll break it on the pod, podcast when it's done. Yes. Um, Come back. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I hope that seeing Jesse Washington, seeing myself and Gary Washburn, you know, uh, Jonathan Abrams, that we do see more Black authors uh, in, in the future get opportunity to write, to tell a lot of these great stories. And it doesn't have to be Black athletes either, you know, just I, I just hope to see more Black journalists get, get these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And Spencer Haywood's story really is incredible. I, like when I heard about some of the things that he's gone through, it's really mind-blowing but for you to be writing that book for the first time, what was the most eye-opening thing about being an author? I just have to find the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, um, I have, this job I have is my the best job I've ever had. And I love it. And I don't want to ever feel like I'm turning my back on that and not handling my number one job to take care of something on the side. You know what I mean? I don't want to cheat on the undefeated. You know what I mean? So the biggest challenge was finding the time to get it done. And so for me, the off season was the best time. I was able to knock it out, um, do the interviews during summer league with Spencer in Las Vegas because he lives there. I interviewed him for like three days, had my cousin Cameron Hay, uh, who's a young journalist, transcribe everything, all the interviews, which helped. And then also like splitting duties at a book with Gary Washburn. Like that, that helped a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have been able to really knock everything out by myself because, you know, you guys know as journalists, like once the season's over, like in normal circumstances, and even in this circumstance, like you're tired. Mm. Lot, lot, like you have to, any beat writer in any sport probably needs about two months from not writing a thing once the season's over with. Because your mind is just mush. I almost feel like a, a, a beat writer's um, stories start getting worse as they get towards the end because they're just fatigued. And so that has always kind of been my worry is having the time to do it. But hey, man, money talks and, and, and the subject talks. If, you know, somebody says, hey, we want you to do uh, a book on a major athlete. Sure, I'll find time. You find time for what's important to you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you found time to be with us on the inaugural A-List podcast. Mark Spears. Hey, man, but you, you so, but let, I got a bone to pick a book, y'all. Oh, oh God. Lord. Trying yeah, to give yeah. a man some props, and he, but let's get you, get your bone out first. Okay. I covered the Celtics championship team. We saw the video. And this is a Celtics. But y'all ain't going to ask me nothing about that time, about being around KG Paul Ray. Young Rondo, I, you know, being around Tommy Hineson, none of that. You know what, Mark? That's that's for another podcast for another day. But I do. But since you brought that up, Mark, I, I actually I did want to see if you've got some uh, memories, some stories about Tommy Hineson, who's no longer with us. Obviously, yeah. a really important not only to Celtics fans, but certainly I know to me 
Kwani is as well. Oh man, I love him. Like he, and I'm mad because you know how you guys you get that picture, yeah. and then you know I like I know I have a picture with somebody took of me and him sitting next to each other, and I can't find it. Mm. From I was only in Boston for two years. I was there at the Globe from 2007 to nine, and he couldn't have been nicer to me. Mm-hmm. He, he he was welcoming when, to be honest, a lot of people weren't. Um, mm-hmm. When I first got there, and when I needed him, and I always gave me time. And I loved hearing him on TV. I just loved his energy, loved the Tommy points, like, yeah. and and got to do some stuff with him in the studio that was just like, wow, I'm sitting with Tommy Heinsohn. I'd be around the, the history. And, and the thing is, is I do remember, this is probably a, a tough kind of story to tell, but, you know, his wife passed when I was covering the team. And I remember I met her a few times, but didn't, didn't know her well. But I had, like, so much respect for Tommy that um, I went to, like, her wake. And I could tell that meant a lot to him. And he always was appreciated that you know and so this past year or earlier this year I had a story on what it's like to be black playing for the Celtics and there was a time when I was in Boston in 2019 and he sat down with me he's working but he sat down with me for about 10 minutes before a game and gave me some great insight on Chuck Cooper and and and, uh, Bill Russell and and um, the black starting five with the Celtics and just just an amazing man, amazing part of Celtics lore. Lakers fans can say whatever they want, but I don't think nobody does history like the Celtics. Uh, I, I don't think the Celtics get enough credit for their impact on black history. Having the first black coach, having the first black star, the first black starting five, draft, draft the first black player to have several black coaches. Um, there was no team in the NBA that embraced and Red Arback certainly has a lot to do with that, but there was no franchise that embraced black athletes, probably in sports, Dodgers included, more than the Boston Celtics. So um Tom was uh certainly somebody I miss. This has been a rough year for a lot. And so seeing that news was was definitely uh hit me hard, man. So I, I'm blessed to say that I got a chance to to get to know him and him to know who I was, you know, like just, just a special person. And, and the sad thing now is when the season starts that like, I hope they hold the, the, the moment of silence till you could have the real packed house. I guess they'll, they'll probably do something or maybe they have already, but I want to see a packed garden with a Tommy tribute. Mm-hmm. He he deserves that, he, even if it's uh, postponed. He deserves that with a packed house because when you talk about most beloved Celtics of all time, he's he's definitely in the top five for sure. Yeah, and absolutely. probably number one in a lot of people's books. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, when you look at not only what he did as a player, uh, but you look at his career after playing, you look at the yeah. fact that he had an imprint in some way, shape, or form, either as a player, coach, or broadcaster yeah. for every single championship. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't he didn't, you know, as as well as so many heroes this year, I in a normal world, like the city would have been a shutdown a day to celebrate him. Right. 
and uh, ho- hopefully they were, that opportunity will come sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, Mark Spears. Good stuff indeed. Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated. Mark, thank you so much for your time, my friend. And uh, you always got a VIP access to the A-List podcast, my friend. Always. Yeah, when I get out there, when the world gets better, uh, you got me and Sherrod. We got to take you to uh, my spot. What's my spot, Sherrod? You talking about in Chinatown? New Jumbo Seafood, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. That that restaurant. That is a amazing. yeah. That that is a must go to spot for for Have spirits. You been there? Even you when I was been. in Detroit, we would go there. So yeah. No, oh, that's <laughs> legendary. You gotta take her. You failed me, Sherrod. I had no idea. Mm-mm-mm. You know what? Some <laughs> some things I gotta keep close to the vest. You know what I mean? I can't yeah, just give you yeah, all yeah, the goods. I can't give you all the goods. You're right. I respect it. My goodness. That's the best Chinese restaurant I've been to in the country. Oh, wow. That's saying a lot. And I live in the Bay Area. So no, that that place, boy. Yeah. So I put her on game. Put her on I'll game. check. I'll make sure you get on game. Once we can get out and do what we do. Right, right. So Marsh, appreciate you, brother. Thank hey, you so much. And good luck to both you guys on the show. I'm um Sarai, you're my brother. I love you. And then you got this, you know, grown budding superstar lady with you. You guys keep doing amazing things in Boston and and, you know, there'll probably be a point where, you know, I won't be big enough to be on y'all podcast oh, anymore, but I'm wishing y'all Please. all the best for sure. <laughs> Appreciate no you. No problem. Love you, brother. Thanks love to you the to producers death. as well. I right, love y'all too. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Take care, Mark. Wow. Good, good stuff there from Mark J. Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated Quantity. That that was a lot of food for thought. I'm, I'm st- it's, this feels like like podcast Thanksgiving over here off all the goodies that Mark just put out there. Uh, what, what jumped out to you when you, when you think back to this, a lot of the stuff that he put out there? He really did drop so many gems that I really, I'm still processing, but mm-hmm. honestly, I really had to restrain myself when he started talking about Tommy because I was about to get emotional again. So I really appreciate him just sharing his experience with that legendary person that we know, Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tom, Tommy is, he's the greatest. I mean, he's, and I know for, for, for you and I having not just work with Tommy, but Tommy is a New Jersey born yeah. guy, just like you and I are. Yes, yes. And so we, we kind of bonded over that a little bit and it just, Tommy, it was the little things that Tommy did that people didn't realize. Like there's this old phrase known as old man's strength. And Tommy embodies that. And I know this firsthand because we were doing a photo shoot and he had the basketball in his hand. And I said, Tommy, let me hold the ball. Yes. And he just kind of looked at me and smirked. I'm just like, I'm just going to take it from him. That did not happen. I'm pulling hard as I can. And this man was like, what are you, what are you nuts? You yeah, there's, there's nothing I could do about that. And, and Tommy was, just, he's just such, such a lovable guy, fun guy, intelligent guy, had a ridiculous encyclopedia of Celtics knowledge, uh, remembering stuff that there's no way in hell I can remember what I did like last week. And he's talking about stuff he did back in 1979. Can't do it. Uh, Tommy will definitely be missed uh, by us, but but Mark, that was, that was, that was a lot of good stuff for Mark. I like when he was talking about uh, just the Eastern conference and, and the Celtics and how it really has a, you know, anyone's for the taking type of feel to it. Uh, I think that works out well for a team like the Celtics because they've got some young guys who are experienced, who play with each other. And I think that 
is one of the few benefits they have over maybe a Philadelphia who's still trying to figure out how is Doc Rivers and what he's looking to do going to work with Ben, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Joel. Or even and, the Nets where right. we don't know what Katie and Kyrie are going to do. So it's right. up for grabs essentially. Right, right. And so I think the Celtics do have the benefit of having young talent that's proven talent that's cohesive in terms right. of how playing with each other. But look, end of the day, the Lakers are still out West and they just got bigger, better, and stronger. And as Mark mentioned in his comments, there's some other sleeper teams in the East that you got to keep in an eye on as well. So Kwani, a Lunas, a Lunas. Now a for a Rob Blakely is Anthony. Are we going to keep the a in the middle of Kwani Lunas a secret? Or are we going to actually going to reveal that at the end here? Or we got to wait till next week or another week? We got to wait till next week. Cause it's episode one. We need you to subscribe, like share, do it all. And then next week, if I'm in a good move, I'll, I'll drop it. I'll drop it. <laughs> all right. This is a Rob Blakely for Kwani a whatever the hell the a stands for. We don't know Lunas. Uh, and as she mentioned, uh, just definitely uh, check us out on all your podcasting apps. Subscribe, like, love, be enamored, do whatever you got to do. Show us some love. Uh, we will be back for another episode next week. Uh, again, H. Rob Blakely, Kwani A. Lunas. We are out. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>